This is In the Studio with Michael Card, a weekly visit with you from Franklin, Tennessee. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to our program today. Michael, I think we have a good lineup of things we're going to talk about here. We are reaching way out for this program. I mean, all the way to the Netherlands. We're going to talk to Annika Kai, who's an artist that has portrayed a number of the Psalms in a a wonderful book with uh, InterVarsity. Also, we have... We have Dr. Ben Johnson, who's Mm -hmm. going to join us. Uh, Dr. Johnson is going to tell us, and we're going to be listening carefully because he's going to be saying what I've learned through my wife. Mm -hmm. So that sounds like a a real important lesson for all of us husbands here Mm -hmm. today in the studio. Michael, I have a question. We're going to focus on the Psalms today, and we're going to talk with Annika in the Netherlands in just a few moments after you sing for us, but she's a visual artist. Now, we know you primarily for your creative work in music and songwriting. Have you ever done anything in the visual arena? No, I find that the the focus of my uh, expression, I suppose, is is auditory. I'm I'm, uh, not at all gifted in terms of visual uh, understanding. Uh, My wife... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who has to frequently dress me and stuff will tell you that. Uh, but you have children who are gifted in that way, aren't you? I do. I mean, really, all of my children draw uh, in, uh, to some degree, but then I have a son who is an amazing artist, my son Will. But I've seen you, the work of your hands. I mean, you love woodworking and carpentry and building things. That's that's artistic. Uh, well, to, to, to a degree, I think woodworking is. But even the, the, the kind of furniture I build is shaker furniture, which okay. is very... <laughs> predictable and 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 what's beautiful about that is the wood and that's mm. sort of the art that mm. God has already done. Well, I was just curious about that. Thank you. Yeah. We do appreciate your music a great Thank deal you. and we're going to ask you to uh do a song for us now. Now, what is this instrument that you have? You're going to do the song how long? Uh well, this is an Irish instrument. It's called a mandola. It's a uh, um uh you have a a viola, uh, a violin, mandolin, a viola, a mandola, and then there's also uh, an instrument called a mandocello. So this is in the middle. This is a mandola. It's a fifth lower than a mandolin. All right, glad to know what it is that you're going to be playing here for us on this. This comes from Psalm 13. It's called How Long, and Ken Lewis joins you on percussion on this song. So we'll talk with Annika in just a moment. I'll count her off. One, two, one, two.
that's one artist's impression of Psalm 13. Michael Card in the studio with us, How Long? And Michael, thank you for that. We have a guest today who's also an artist but takes a different look at the Psalms. Yes, we have a wonderful artist uh, from the Netherlands. Annika Kai is with us uh, over the phone lines, over the uh, the magic of technology. Uh, greetings, Annika. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Annika is the author of a book from InterVarsity Press called The Psalms, An Artist's Impression. And Annika, I just have to tell you that we have a single copy of the book here in the studio. Guess who's holding the book? Michael gets to hold the book because he loves it so much. Mm. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, nice, nice. A wonderful series of uh, very uh, heartfelt responses. Uh, and and the, what, I, what I appreciate most about this book is that your art takes me to another level in experiencing and understanding the Psalms, a level that uh, I, I wouldn't have come to otherwise. So you've done the Christian community a, a, a great service through your art. So thank you. Annika, how has your relationship with Christ uh, influenced you as an artist? Now, I will say you, I think you can say that, that an, an artist shows his deep feelings in his life, in his work. And uh, so you can see it in my work that, that my emotions have a relationship with, uh, with the Bible and my uh, personal faith. Well, Michael and Annika, as we talk today, I would like to urge our listeners who have access to the Internet right now to go to our website, michaelcard.com. Click on the links there on the page, and you'll find a link to Annika's art. There's a gallery there, including some of the works that we're talking about here today. If you have that access, you can look at those while we talk about them. I think this may be a first in terms of uh, linking, uh, being able to listen to an artist talk about their work on the radio and at the same time be able to see that work on the Internet. So yeah. I would encourage those who are hooked up it should work uh, well to right. do that. Michaelcard.com yeah. is the website. Yes, it is very fine. It is possible. <laughs> Well, why in particular the Psalms, Annika? What drew you to the Psalms? Um, now, you can say that the, the Psalms, that is uh, for, the, for the people uh, who believe, uh, is, is a book that, uh, that goes about the human feelings, mm. uh, about the feelings of joy, uh, the feelings of sorrow, doubts, in, in relationship to God. Mm. So, and uh, I took this uh, because in my personal life, too, the Psalms have played a, a special role. Mm. And uh, they have been a comfort to me and, and have thanked me in my faith. And I think that you can say that the... That the human being is not changed, and and God is not changed uh, with the Psalms, with the Bible. Only the circumstances have changed, mm -hmm. and uh, and so I think that that uh, that people recognize uh, their own lives and uh, and their own faith in in the Psalms. Mm. I would like for our listeners to be able to see, even through the radio, some of your art, so to speak. Annika, uh, Michael, you're holding the book there. Do you want to turn to one of them? I don't know. Which one do you have open there? Psalm 23. Psalm 23. It's one of my favorites. Tell us how it's laid out in the book there. I, I can describe briefly. What we have is is um, uh, Gene Peterson's translation of Psalm 23. Yeah. Uh, to the left side, we have a paragraph written by Annika exp explaining and interpreting the, the, the piece. And then on the other side, on the right-hand uh, side of the book, is a full-size, uh, wonderful color. The colors are uh, subdued and, and, and wonderful colors. We have um, a, a, a swirl that seems to be holding. Uh, uh, it's, it's a shepherd's crook, I think, type shape holding a lamb uh, in a in a field of green now, that, is that even close annika <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yes this is your your feelings about uh, about the painting so you tell us uh with this image what uh, i can see the waterfall i can see the shepherd's crook and i can see i think the lamb but tell us what what was in your heart as you responded to the words of psalm 23 uh Yes, when when I read the this uh, psalm, then I uh, uh, my experience is that that the, the staff uh, 
uh, above had the, the the shepherd's staff as a symbol for God, and and he is a round, the rounded head. So uh, so also he, uh, the God is round as, mm-hmm. and uh, and you as a lamb may lay in the meadows, in the green meadows, um, and you uh, you can. Um, yeah, you you have to feel uh, you close by the shepherd, mm-hmm. and when when you go in an, uh, in a, a dark in uh, a dark valley, then God is with you. Mm-hmm. He will he will turn about uh, the staff, and 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 you lift you up. Well, from the top of uh, the 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 upright crook, there's a waterfall. What what were what were you thinking when you uh, placed the waterfall there? Uh, the the waterfall is that 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 he uh, God will uh, uh, refresh us, mm. refresh the soul, mm. and uh, and uh, so when you are in the depths, then uh, then he is uh, with you, mm. and uh, I think that uh, will tell in uh, uh, will will show me uh, that will show <laughs> I will show it mm-hmm. in my painting. Let let me ask one question. Uh, are you the lamb in that picture? Is that you? Um, yes, yes. <laughs> Very perceptive, yes. Michael. <laughs> well, I, I think that lamb is me too. Yeah. But I was just wondering, yeah. as you painted it. Yes, yes. but but it, yes, it is everybody. But yes. but for me, it's. it's that's yeah. very interesting. Annika, we all find your uh, art to be very worshipful and very meditative as we read the Psalms. I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, uh, what, what is the medium that you're using? Are, are you painting these? What, and what, are, what is your canvas? Um, I'm uh, painting it on plexiglass uh, with uh, acrylics. Okay. And it is nothing, not... Uh, um, Yes, it is not a, a normal, you can say, a normal uh, material. But uh, when I was on the academy in Amsterdam, the Gerrit Rietveld, and I was always had to look out for for new technical ways and mm. materials. So and uh, I've I uh, have found this that uh, I will uh, I will paint on uh, on plexiglass. And uh, it is for me, uh, it gives special effects. And so uh, I am uh, looking out uh, every time for new possibilities. And it, it gives the, uh, the feelings about the theme. Yeah, I can, I can uh, yeah, make the sphere uh, what I want. Mm. And uh, it, uh, it has to correspond with my idea in my in my mind, I have an idea yeah, about the psalm. Psalm uh, in this uh, in this case, uh, Psalm 23, and then I, I uh, work, and then I will have the uh, the idea. Yeah, I make the idea in my work. Hmm. Well, Annika, I noticed in your book the Psalms and Artist's Impression that you have two. Uh, pieces of art that accompany Psalm 139, and I'm just wondering if you would uh, describe uh, both of those for us here. Mm, yes, I have to, uh, two paintings uh, because uh, yeah, these psalms uh, yeah touch me. Mm. So, and I have uh, made a painting about the the, the first part yeah, that's uh, over my uh, my God is uh, before me. Is behind me, and um, then oh God, your hand rests on me. And then I have uh, made a painting about um, the second part of uh, 139. I have been made in secret. Mm-hmm. And how did you visualize that? What what is in the the art that accompanies that psalm here in your book? Uh, the, the first, I have made a, a round shape, and uh, it represents a person in his taking, in the thinking and, and doing, and then uh, the light that surrounds this uh, round shape uh, expresses, oh God, mm. your hand rests on me. Mm. And then uh, when you uh, hid from God, flee from him, it is not uh, uh, you can't you can't uh, 
uh, you can't go away from the Lord. Uh, even if a person flies up with the wings of the morning, and you can see it in my in my uh, mm-hmm. work, the, the the wings of the morning, uh, of or you goes into the heavens, of goes down in the in the dark place of the death. Um, Present everywhere, God's right hand is everywhere, and He leads me. Mm. And uh, when we see the the other psalm, um, then it was the the part I have been made in secret in the depths of the earth, and that's uh, the reason that that the my painting is black, mm. uh, and you see. In uh, on the left hand uh, below, uh, you see the the fruit, and all the attention is centered on the fruit. Mm. Woven, woven. You can see the thread, the thread mm. inside the womb, and it is. Uh, you you can see also the the, the shapeless beginning, and. Um, uh, the, the, it is too marvelous for the poet to understand fully so great is the miracle. Mm. Well, Annika, once again, we, we want to thank you for taking the time uh, to spend with us to uh, explain and help us to understand better uh, the things that God was saying to you uh, as you painted these uh, responses uh, to his word. I, I, I hope that as, as people become familiar with this wonderful book, uh, that it will do for them what it's done for me, and that is help them to interact with the Psalms uh, yeah. and God's word at a, at a deeper level. So thank you so much for your faithfulness. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Michael. And I hope that uh, do, that you make the music for the, the world uh, and that we uh, together uh, as an artist, uh, let's see that God's still alive. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Annika. Thank you very much, Michael. Her work may God be bless. seen at michaelcard.com. Click on Annika Kai there on our website. And we've heard her interpretation of Psalm 139, very beautiful art and paintings. Let's hear Michael's now. Search me and know me. song is called Search Me and Know Me, and we've had this wonderful look into the Psalms today with Annika Kai here, Michael. Let's uh, spend a little bit more time talking about the Psalms and how they speak to just about 
every situation in life, don't they? Uh, it, the the richness of the Psalms is just absolutely amazing. Do you have a favorite one or a favorite uh, favorite verse in the Psalms? Yeah, I do. My life verse is uh, Psalm one nineteen nine. I was um, a freshman, actually my first night at uh, at, uh, at university. You remember it that clearly? Oh, I remember all the details. I I was a very serious uh, student, a very serious freshman when I first came to Western. And my first night in the dorm uh, was a shocker for me. I thought people who went to college were all serious, bookish. (laughs) And I I brought up that bubble burst. (laughs) it, it, it It was obliterated that first night. I had moved all these books that I ended up never using into my room and and uh, and just took a walk around campus the first night. And, of course, the, the fraternities and the sororities were getting cranked up the first night. And I saw, you know, lots of drunkenness. I saw a lot of uh, pretty uh, bizarre uh, behavior. It was just such a huge disappointment, and not because I was a, a especially good or religious person. I just saw what a temptation, uh, you know, as a young Young man, uh, what a temptation it was going to be to be surrounded by this for the next, uh, you know, four to six years. And I literally fled back to my dorm room and I opened my Bible. And it was one of those deals, you know, let's open the Bible and see what it has to say for us. <laughs> and uh, my Bible fell open uh, to Psalm uh, 119.9. And um, Psalm 119.9 is one of those uh, wonderful alphabetic psalms. The psalms were used, uh, among other things, to teach young Hebrew children how to read, to hmm. teach them their alphabet. And uh, Psalm 119 is one of those psalms. Each section begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And my, my verse came from the second section, from the Baith section. And, the, uh, and, and given that context, Wayne, I ran back into my room, I opened the Bible, and I read, the first thing I read was, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Now, the fact that God would give me that word at a time when I was so desperate and so disappointed and and so afraid, as as afraid of myself as anything else. So Psalm one nineteen is uh, one nineteen nine is my my psalm. The psalms are many and they're so varied. Uh, different authors, of course, primarily David, but mm-hmm. but they are so rich in their in their full human expression. You, you know what I mean, right? Uh, and well, in their lyrics, uh, you know, that's another thing that draws someone well, like me to that the would psalms. Tend to draw your attention, absolutely. I mean, this is this is uh, largely from a period in Israel's history where music was professional. It was uh, priest musicians in the temple, and uh, a lot of times. There's musical notation. This is this song is to be done to the tune of, you know, the dove or you know, doe in the morning or something <laughs> like that. There or lilies is another one of the uh, the the tune names. Uh, what fascinates me too is that um, numerically, even though the Psalms are praises, the Hebrew title for the book is Tehillim, which means praises. Numerically, there are more Psalms that complain to God <laughs> than there are Psalms that praise him. There are more laments than anything else hmm. and, and laments to God. Why have you done this when mm-hmm. I needed you the most? Where were you? And, and, and the, the point is they're honest. Yeah. The Psalms are honest. But even in the lament, they always come back to the Lord's answer. They right? do. Yeah. They do. And he, you're never and, left hanging there. No, you're never left hanging and his faithfulness is always accentuated. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you remember a situation in life? Uh, I think everybody has these moments, you know, when you just... You don't know what else to do, and you're driven to the Word, and, and very often we'll open to the Psalms. I don't know why. Is it because they are the Psalms, or they're in the center of the Bible? I don't know what I, it is. But. I think it's all those things. You know, the, the let's open God's Word and see what He has to say for <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah. Usually, you're usually right. going to end up in the Psalms right. that way. But, That's right. But somehow God honors that and yeah. uses that. Uh, can you think of a moment like that, and what was the Psalm that, that sprang forth there? Well, I already shared this uh, passage in Psalm 19, uh, 119 that's my favorite psalm. Of those of us who have read the psalms, who hasn't resonated with Psalm 51 and David's uh, uh, statement of uh, repentance over his uh, committing adultery with Bathsheba? Have mercy on me, O God. Yeah, that I think that psalm for me is one that I go to again and again and again. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. See, not according to anything else but how much you love me. I haven't done anything to 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 merit this. Only your your love for me is the only hope I have. 
wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, which is exactly what he did for us on the cross. You know, the verse I like in that psalm is verse 17. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, a Mm. broken and repentant heart, O God. Mm you will not despise. And that was, remember, that was written at a time when temple sacrifice was still a part of life. And and, uh, people were trying to be uh, observant about, you know, offering the lamb in the correct way and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and nonetheless, in the midst of that culture, the psalmist was bold enough to say, no, this is what sacrifice is all about. This is what God really wants. And that must have at first seemed to be a pretty radical thing for would, someone to say. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, verse, uh, lost it here in my, uh, through my bifocals, but uh, verse uh, 12, restore again to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Uh, mm. This this is such a, I'm glad you brought this one up, Psalm yeah. 51. Yeah. Uh, Another psalm that has has, uh, meant a lot to me, it was Dr. Lane's favorite psalm. And it's a psalm that uh, we we read uh, actually uh, uh, by the deathbed of my my nephew who was at at 19 years old, died of cancer, and Bill was there. And he read in Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God and whom I trust. And it goes on to talk about all the things that God will spare you from and save you from. And I I was always amazed that in his uh, cancer, in his struggling with cancer, Bill found this to be a, a, a a psalm that gave him comfort. You know, a thousand may fall at your side, you know, but, but not me, you know, that sort of thing. And, and uh, the fact was that he he did fall, but the the deeper truth was verse fourteen because it, because he loves me, I will rescue him, I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and that's I think where Bill and and my nephew Daniel and so many other people have found Psalm ninety one to be so helpful. In in any given situation, there are one hundred and fifty psalms. I th- there are one hundred and fifty separate situations where any one of these would be, you know, the perfect one for that moment to express this full range of human emotion, uh, from from uh, glorious praise to uh, to really the most accurate description of the cross. I mean, the the visceral experience of Jesus on the cross is most. Uh, accurately described in the Psalms. It's not in the Gospels. It's in the Psalms. And uh, as as we consider uh, the richness of this book, uh, the, I can think of no no better place to go when you when you need to see God's grace and need to experience His love, need to experience Him than the Psalms. You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. Before we take a break, I want to remind you that you can find out more about this program and how you can obtain a copy of this entire broadcast by going online. Our place on the web is found at michaelcard.com. And if you'd like to email us, you can send your note to in the studio at michaelcard.com. Coming up in the second half, Michael answers a listener's Bible question about how to face fear. That and more after these messages on the Moody Broadcasting Network. Great to have you listening as we're back in the studio for the second half of this week's program with Michael Card and Wayne Shepherd. We encourage you to send your comments and even Bible questions to us at in the studio at michaelcard.com. And I'll read one of those questions for you here in just a moment, Michael. But let me say that coming up on the program today, we're going to invite uh, Dr. Ben Johnson to join us here in the studio. It's going to be great to have him back. In fact, he's going to sing. I don't think he's ever <laughs> sung before uh, for us. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Wonderful uh, voice. We love this man. And he's going to talk to us about what he has learned from his wife. Mm, I can't wait to hear that. Uh, it'll be rich. I, I really think so. So stay tuned for that. Certainly coming up here in just the next few minutes in the studio with Michael Card. Here's the uh, email that I have in front of us. This one is from Brad. And by the way, he says in his email, Michael, thank you to you. He says, I find your albums to help tremendously in helping to understand the present reality of Jesus. So Mm. he's picking up on uh, one of your earlier works there. Hmm. And then he has this question. He says, as a relatively new Christian, I'm facing a struggle I've not encountered before. My wife of three years, and he goes on to say later that she also is a new Christian, Mm -hmm. has suddenly become very afraid of the thought of dying or Mm. death. I've tried to explain to her that fear can be a demon, that it controls you, not vice versa. And I've gone on to explain that this is one of the reasons for Christ's birth, life, and death, so we don't have to live in fear about what might happen 
tomorrow. But this, uh, boy, this is just a real heartfelt concern from this young husband. Here. It is, and you can imagine, at least I can imagine, here are two new Christians, you know, just started their life together, just started their walk with Christ. And and I think he's correct. I mean, Satan has thrown uh, this fear uh, at, at especially at his wife, and uh, he's feeling the responsibility to mm-hmm. uh, to speak to her and to comfort her. So uh, I, I can resonate with that letter. You have some scriptures that come to mind that we might share with him? Well, uh, you know, I, I love Paul's uh, 1 Corinthians 15, um, this idea of uh, death has been swallowed up in victory. Uh, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That, that before us lies this uh, triumph. I mean, uh, death has been conquered. Uh, Christ has won uh, the, uh, over sin. He's paid for uh, uh, the price of sin. And so certainly that's not what we fear. But in, in Jesus, Jesus in, in, uh, in Luke 12 told us, well, there are things we should fear. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting passage that might help them. Um, Luke 12, I'll just start 12, 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the rooftops. I tell you, my friends, here's the part I want to focus in on. Do not be afraid. See, there's a do not be afraid Mm -hmm. of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. I mean, in a in a broad sense, Jesus is saying, "Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of people who can kill you. Don't even be afraid of situations that can kill you." But I will show you whom you should fear. Okay, now this is what you should be afraid of. Jesus says, "Fear him who, after killing the body, has power to throw you into hell." Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And here it comes. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I think Jesus, in referring to this person who we should fear, the the person who has the power to throw us into hell, that is Satan himself, that person we need not fear because of Jesus' uh, death on the cross for us. His conclusion of that passage, therefore, don't be afraid. Mm. Don't be afraid. And and uh, time and time again, Jesus, especially, of course, I'm interested in the life of Peter uh, these days. And again and again, Jesus will say to Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, you wonder if Peter didn't have this fear problem when, when Jesus said that to him so many times. Yeah, well, you're you're in a boat that's about to sink. <laughs> You're going to be afraid. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. You, you, you just witnessed the kind of vision that he saw on the, uh, transfigure, the Mount of Transfiguration where a cloud covers you and God's voice and all the rest. Jesus puts his hand on Peter and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And so, and so to Brad and, and for his concern, uh, for his wife's fear, I, I would just enc- encourage him to continually keep pointing her to Christ, uh, to keep looking at those passages where Jesus, in the midst of storm, in the midst of genuinely fearful times, times when uh, indeed the death, uh, the, the actual death of the body may be involved, Nonetheless, Jesus will say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to Mary and Martha in the face of the death of Lazarus. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When, when the, the man uh, comes uh, asking him to come and heal his daughter, and yet word comes his daughter has died. I mean, there's the fear of death and the actual death of this little girl. Jesus takes the man aside and whispers to him, don't be afraid. So I would, I would encourage Brad to, in Jesus or for Jesus' sake, to continually sort of speak this into his wife's uh, heart and life, that she need not be afraid. The one who has conquered death is now, because she's a new Christian, is is her Lord and Master. And as Brendan Manning would say, if you don't have to be afraid of God, you don't have to be afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, these and other scriptures can be helpful. Uh, read them together. Oh, yeah. Uh, meditate on them. Uh, pray for her. Oh, yeah. Uh, pray with her. Those would be some of the suggestions. Absolutely, and 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 also, I mean, as this is almost what a counselor would say is, don't simply disregard those. Yes. Oh, you shouldn't be afraid. Right. You know what? Uh, there there are lots of things that genuinely give us cause to be afraid, and it's it's not. Uh, that we have a skewed view of the world, a very realistic view of the world, sometimes makes us afraid. But in spite of that, Jesus comes through the midst of that storm. 
I mean, it's 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 not our our grasp of reality or anything else that gives us reason not to fear. It's the power of Jesus. It's His love for us. He He is the one who alone uh, has the power to say to us, "Don't be afraid," and and for it to really stick. So uh, listen to her, and that that's an important thing too. Listen to her. Listen to what her fears are. I'm sure that's very helpful, Michael. I'm also wondering if time isn't something to be taken into consideration here. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think it is. Um, I know uh, early in our marriage, uh, I was I was very much in Brad's position. My wife, Susan, was struggling with fear. Uh, she was, uh, a- especially at night, she would have uh, dreams hmm. uh, that would uh, terrify her, dreams that we were able to identify together as being, you know, demonically, mm. you know, there, mm. Satan was trying to do a number yeah. on her and make her afraid. And, uh, she would wake up and we would pray together and, uh, and read scripture together. And, and in time, uh, as, as she came, as she drew closer to the Lord, as she, as she came to trust him more, even in the face of, of her fear, not the fear isn't always completely taken away, but in the face of that fear, she will, even today, uh, She'll wake up in the middle of the night and just say his name or just pray to him and realize that he is the God who is Emmanuel. He's always with her. You know, I'm sure uh, I can sense from Brad that he's uh, being very understanding, very patient yeah. with his wife and this fear. But and would take the time to, yeah. uh, to write a letter. Yeah, and, yeah. exactly. And uh, I commend him for that yeah. and, and urge him to hang in there. Yeah, be encouraged. Make it a matter of prayer, too. Yeah, and, and don't think that it's your responsibility to be all of a sudden to be God in her life and absorb all that fear. But as I said, listen, listen to her fear and, and then continually, gently point her to Christ who, in whom you know, her fear can be uh, dealt with. This is in the studio with Michael Card. Susan often joins us on the program here today. She's not with us today, Michael, no. but it's great to uh, have Susan here occasionally in the studio with us. And the two of you have some great role models here in uh, in the community to to uh, pattern your marriage after. We do. And one of the brothers from the Empty Hands, uh, the guy who most consistently prays for not only for his wife but for all our wives. I mean, I've heard Ben uh, so many times say, "Lord." that you would give us your daughters to be our wives. Mm. Uh, Remarkable teaching on uh, marriage and a great role model. Uh, Dr. Ben Johnson's here with us. Dr. Ben, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. You know, you gave me a book that you wrote recently. I can't remember that. I don't have it in the studio with me today. What's the title of that book? It's called What God Taught Me Through my wife. Yeah, I read that book. It was, it was rich. It really was. Your wife is Louise. Yes. And how long have you two been married? September the 9th, it will be, no, September the 11th, it will be 54 years. Wow. Still on our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> and you're henpecked. Yes, I'm henpecked. Oh, here we go. She's happily Ruth to peck. That's good mm, pecking. <laughs> Yum, yum. Yum, yum. I want, I want to hear you do that sometime. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I mean, 54 years of marriage. Talk to us about how to be better husbands, Dr. Ben. Well, one is I learned I can't change a woman to think like a man. I still try, though. Mm-hmm. And she sure can't change me to think like a woman. <laughs> Therefore, by the way, we have never had an argument. Never had a fuss. We've had a lot of sparky spats. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that other shoe to drop. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for the truth to come in. <laughs> well, we have learned some things with tears. We found out that commitment is a very important word today with God. My wife is from the country. She's a, she's a southern damsel, mm-hmm. rural damsel. And I was a northern easterner, cosmopolitan person. She loves country music. I love opera and oratorio. Mm-hmm. In fact, she calls opera pretty noise. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to learn to accept each other's values and Mm. loves. 
And I have to admit, the first 18 months, it was rough. How did you meet? Where did y'all meet? Oh, well, I was attending church. I saw this cute little girl uh, dressed in a white usher uniform. She weighed about 100 pounds, dripping wet. So I said, hello, you're a cute little girl. She said, you fresh thing you said to other girls. <laughs> so I said, someone might mean it. She said, mm. And the pastor said, Ben, will you work her to the trolley car? I said, yes. <laughs> she said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, well, she said, well, come to the youth meeting. We've been meeting ever since. Ah, okay. <laughs> the youth meeting that never ended, huh? Never ended. <laughs> in fact, our home is full of youths all the time. We've, yes. We've had as many as 10, 15 youths in our, from all across the world. Italian, white, black, there. We still open doors. So we love young people. But I thank God that in marriage, uh, I learned some things with tears. Hmm. And, of course, uh, in these 54 years of marriage, uh, I, I selected. I was asked about three years ago, what made our marriage tick? And then the Lord said, tell somebody what she taught you. Hmm. And it took me a year to make that list. It was 48 things. <laughs> then I said, I can't do that. So I selected 22 things. And some of the things I wrote with tears. Hmm. I wrote with uh, embarrassment. I wrote with humiliation. And I said, should I put myself out there for folks to see that, well, a dumb, stupid man I am. I'm, I'm, I'm full of anger. Should I do that? And uh, the Lord said, yes, do it. Mm. And so I selected 22 things that God taught me through this woman, things I could not learn in seminary or teaching there or in Bible college or by men. In fact, I have a paragraph where I could read to you what I said about this. And... Uh, I said this, I learned much from God our Father, God our Lord, and Savior Jesus Christ, and God our eternal blessed Holy Spirit, that have greatly enriched my personal life. I do praise and glorify our triune God. I do always praise and thank God for men who have been God's messengers and channels of blessing to me. It's not a problem to talk about them. In fact, we praise men almost too much. Men are comfortable acknowledging God working and blessing through other men in their lives. But some men become uncomfortable when I talk about my wife and acknowledge how God has blessed me through her. Some say that I am henpecked, and I'm proud to proclaim, yes, I am. Amen. What greater blessing than to have the hand of God guiding and shaping man's life through the gentle comforts of a loyal, loving life mate? A henpecked man is fortunate indeed. In taking time to reflect on our lives together, I have realized how much and in how many ways God has taught me through my wife. I do honor her, will honor her by sharing this testimony about what she is to me. She is my compliment from God. Mm. And so that made me realize that, you see, God made woman our helpmeet. Spiritually, Intellectually, socially, and physically, they are our help meet. In fact, I have another lecture where it deals with, I found, I, I, I selected that God gave man 12 attributes of himself. He also gave women 12 attributes. When they interface, we get double blessing. <laughs> and we get a more accurate image of God. Yes. And then, so when we do that, but you see, Satan messed us up because when Adam sinned and then he blamed Eve and we still pass the buck today. Hmm. But there are some things that as one looks at God, they see things we don't see because we are a man. Hmm. We have the why. And therefore, when we allow our wives or sisters or mothers or daughters to share us about God's word, they'll give us an insight we never thought about. Why? Because we're not them. <laughs> By doing that, I had the courage. I have, to, I have to confess it. It took me about two years, really, hmm. to write these 22 things. Some men 
respond and, and become almost, well, they do. They become bitter uh, when their wife tries to help pass these mm. observations along. And I think it was Luis Palau one time who told me that it's, it's amazing how often the voice of God sounds like your wife. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but the it's, but, the truth. but we have to be open. We have to be yes. open to receiving uh, mm-hmm. how God has made mm-hmm. them and what input they can give into our lives. So here's the thing that's important about our situation. My wife didn't go to college. What she learned of the Bible, I told her. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell when we have a devotion, you know what? Sometimes I, I write down something she said. Mm-hmm. She has some insight I never dreamed of, never That's written right. the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, Therefore, since we have been retired, we retire every night, the night <laughs> seven years, I have had an in-depth growth in God himself by listening to her explain from her viewpoint as a woman what God's like. And, and I, I am blessed. Mm-hmm. So with my daughter-in-law, Willa, and with my wife, these two, I have gotten an in-depth, deepened understanding of the person God. Ben, one of the things you talk about a lot uh, in Empty Hands is giving your wife slow time. Yes. Oh, yes. What I mean by slow time is that uh, we are so busy being busy being busy, (laughs) we peck her rather than long, drawn-out kiss. <laughs> we are so busy with life. Now, before we got married, we would spend 82 hours a week with our wives. No, we spend <laughs> 5,000 yeah. hours a week with our wives. <laughs> sure. We get engaged, well, we spend more. We get married, we spend maybe about two hours a week. Mm-hmm. And so my time is this, slow time is that you take time to sit down without the bills, without the children, without the, without the ministry, just talk. Mm. And wives don't want our advice. They want our ear. Mm-hmm. I learned that the hard way, by the way, too. <laughs> they want our presence. Yes, we can fix the, uh, fix the uh, flower bed, and, but they want us. And wives need slow time. That is leisurely time just to talk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we ride along, she, she just squeezes her finger. No, but, but they want our presence. Mm-hmm. Now, is this true? What about, isn't that what God wants? Let me say something. We as men, most men, uh, we, uh, uh, we are so busy being busy about the Lord. We talk for him. We talk before him. We talk about him. We talk to, to him. We with very, very few, very few, very few, very few. Very, then we talk with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me close with this, a true story. This man, he was, a, he was a multimillionaire. He had a gorgeous estate. Had a man named John. He said, John, he said, I, I enjoy what you look at the yard. Look at the fly. He said, John, how about you and I just having lunch together today? Well, Mr. Sons, I can't, could you see, I, I, I got to do this. I, I, I got to do that. The dumb man was too busy working for the boss. He couldn't eat lunch with the boss. Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. That's Ben Johnson at the time. <laughs> I'm learning to take time with the boss in heaven and the boss in my marriage. When you can take slow time with wife and with God, it deals. It, it takes away the necessity for 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 a leave and and for innocence and for tight and all. Mm-hmm. There's no stress. There's no strain. There's no frustration. It's a good medicine. Yeah. So the prayer becomes, "Walk with me, Lord." Yes. Walk with me. Yes. Michael, isn't that a song that uh, that doctor? You've heard him sing this song before. Walk with me, haven't absolutely. You? Uh, it's a wonderful spiritual walk with me, Lord, and we'd like to do it for you. You do it right now. Oh yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So you're going to play the piano, Ben. You'd be willing to do that, wouldn't you? I better not. <laughs> say no. All right. Let's listen to uh, this this great lesson in song now here in the studio. Michael at the piano, Doctor Ben Johnson. So I'll just roll out a chord. Right. Tell me when you're ready. Ready. Okay. Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me. All the way 
Jesus to walk with me. Rhymed in sorrow, Lord, walk with me. When I'm in sorrow, Lord, walk with me. Jesus to walk with me. I want Jesus to walk with me all the way from earth to heaven. Lord, I want to Dr. Ben Johnson for teaching us from his life here in the studio with Michael Card. If God is using this weekly program to help deepen your relationship with Christ, please let us know. Your story would be a great source of encouragement to Michael and the whole staff. We hope you'll take a moment and send your comments as well as your questions about the Bible or the Christian life. The email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll be sure to stop by our website, michaelcard.com, to get a better look at all that's going on with the ministry. Something that many of you have asked for is now waiting for you online. Now you can study with us at your convenience with the help of your computer. Just go to the radio page for the audio streaming of the broadcast. Also, you can order a CD copy of this or any in the studio program. And then see if you'd like to sign up to automatically have CD copies of each week's broadcast sent to you. And we have transcripts for those who are members of the community. You can find this as well as a complete listing of Michael's books, CDs, and his DVD, Scribbling in the Sand, when you log on to michaelcard.com. And then I want to let you know that we're going to record another radio program before a live audience tomorrow night in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We hope you'll pray for us. Our program engineer is Kenny Ferris, our producer Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.